The Denver Broncos are going to be without safety Kareem Jackson once again after the NFL handed down yet another suspension for his hit on Minnesota Vikings quarterback Josh Dobbs on Sunday. We'll tell you our thoughts on that. What do the Broncos have in terms of safety options going forward? You're going to get that much more on today's brand new episode, Locked on Broncos. You are Locked on Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. The Denver Broncos are going to have to figure out what they're going to do with safety with Kareem Jackson being suspended yet again by the National Football League. Welcome into a brand new episode of Lockdown Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast for the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much to everybody in Broncos country, including all the everydayers who make us your first listen of the day every single day. You can get this podcast for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. We appreciate you so much. I'm Cody Rourke, Broncos reporter from Mile High Sports. Joined alongside, as always, by Sarah Bettinger, site expert, predominantlyorange.com. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKDOWNNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Sarah, here we are once again, just a couple weeks after the fact. The Broncos are going to be without Kareem Jackson as it stands as we're recording this for four games for his hit on Minnesota Vikings quarterback Josh Dobbs in Sunday's win. He is appealing it, so we'll see if that gets reduced from four to two or maybe four to three. We'll see where things are at here. But the Broncos now in a tough position in terms of their safety depth here. I mean, I think we should definitely start off by maybe sharing our thoughts on the subject matter. There's going to be a bunch of people that hate what I have to say. To be honest with you, I really don't care. But aside from that, I want to start things off. I want to hear how you feel about the whole entire situation. Obviously, for Kareem, this happened literally three plays in his first game back. Yeah, if people are going to hate what you have to say, Cody, I can only imagine how what they're going to think about what I have to say. And maybe, maybe not. Maybe you'll resonate with what I have to say. But for those that are watching on YouTube, I just want to give a little physical demonstration about something here. I'm going to try to I'm going to try to hit my microphone here with my shoulder, Cody. I want you to watch what happens here. You see where my head, my head kind of went forward first before my shoulder did. Uh, just kind of a natural thing. You 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 jerk your shoulder one way. Now imagine. You run a four, five, 40 yard dash or faster. Imagine you are trying to stop a ball carrier on third and one in an NFL game. None of us can really imagine that unless you're a former NFL player watching this podcast or listening to this podcast right now. And the reason for that is because we've never been in that situation. Now, I, I've been called everything under the sun, Cody, in terms of being a homer, wearing orange colored glasses, drinking the orange Kool-Aid. Listen, I, I've been frustrated just as much as anybody about Kareem Jackson and the way that he's played in terms of uh, being a little too reckless at times or maybe not playing as clean at times as we should. But at the same time, this particular play in which he's now been suspended without pay for four games, it's absolute bullcrap from the NFL to be doing this. This is this is an egregious call. It's an egregious decision. It's stupid. It, it makes no sense. It's it goes completely flies in the face of everything that I thought football is supposed to be. And that doesn't mean that, well, they they've never been able to spear players or they've never been able to leave with the, the crown of the helmet. That's I don't think Kareem Jackson is out there trying to spear Joshua Dobbs. I think he's out there trying to stop a runner from getting a third and one conversion in a game that matters so much. And so 
to me, this isn't dirty. We saw Alex Singleton with a play similar later in the game where he, he honestly probably got a bit more of a scary hit on Alexander Madison late in the game with Singleton. Where, where's the suspension for Singleton? Where's the suspension for all the 12 different guys I saw in the Monday night football game with the Chiefs and Eagles who were leading with their helmets? You know what I'm talking about? So it's it's the it's both the the situation that I'm frustrated at and the consistency from the NFL it feels to me like Kareem Jackson is being made an example of, and I personally hate it. I agree with you there. And, and look, I, I think you make a great point. The thing, and, and you're hearing it from people that have never played football. Oh, he's leading with his head. People, if you've ever played football, and we've all been taught this at a young level, right? You're taught that, okay, hey, if I'm a safety, right? Let's say I'm the right side safety on the field. And let's say, same situation. Josh Dobbs is running to my right, to his left. And he's to the outside. You know what I was taught and what every player is taught. They're taught to get their head across, their head to the outside of the football, right? So if Josh Dobbs has the ball in his outside hand, he's running to the sideline trying to get that first down. Your goal as a defender is to go up and hit him, drive him back, but more so do it in a way where you get your head across the ball. You're trying to stop, as you mentioned, a third and one or a third in inches. You're trying to stop forward momentum here. The NFL rules today are an absolute joke. We're seeing it. Look, and I'm sure Alex Singleton is probably going to be fined around $38,000 for his hit on Alexander Madison. But I this is might be the one time I've really agreed with Tom Brady what he had to say. The NFL product, and I don't know if you saw the clip that he did with Stephen A. Smith, but he talked about how mediocre it is. He said guys like Ronnie Lott, Ray Lewis, John Lish, like those guys that you know used to play the way that they played. He's like, they would be penalized in today's game for how they played. And he said that there were times where I never threw it to the middle of the field when I was going up against Ray Lewis because I know that my guy was going to get knocked out. And he said, and I think he made a great point, it's on coaches to teach their players how to protect themselves offensively. Obviously, defensive players have to protect themselves. But it's not the defensive player's job to protect the offensive players. It's the defensive player's job to go out there and to prevent them from getting first downs. And when you talk about, Sarah, and this is the thing that pisses me off, everyone wants to talk about slow motion replay, about how he should have done this, how he should have done that. Do you ever watch an NFL game live in person? Do you ever see, have you ever played football? Like, there's so many people that have never played this game that piss me off with some of their talks about like, well, he could have slowed up. He could have let up. You've never played the game. How would you know exactly what a guy's supposed to do in that situation? Kareem has been taught. Kareem has played this level of football this way for so long. Remember 2019, Sarah? against the Houston Texans, man, in today's league, Kareem would have been ejected for his hit on DeAndre Hopkins in that 2019 game that we saw. And that was just maybe four years ago. So for me, it's just, I hate how the NFL is transitioning. I'm obviously a big believer in player safety, but when you're trying to regulate how players play this game in terms of speed, and now you're going to make guys more timid, that's going to lead to more guys on the defensive side of the ball getting hurt as well. So it's like, this is a violent sport inherently by the true nature of its game, it is violent in every category here. So now you're trying to reduce contact. You're trying to tell guys who run, as, as we talk about, up to 21 miles an hour that they're going to try to like avoid obviously getting hit by a guy who's trying to stop them. And you're trying to reduce the contact initiated with that. I mean, there was a play where Travis Kelsey, I'm not Travis Kelsey, Jason Kelsey on Monday Night Football, and this was an example, executes a perfect center pull, right? But you know what he does first to go engage the defender? His head is in front of his chest and his shoulders, and he makes contact. Are we going to see him suspended? Are we going to see him ejected? Are we going to see him fined? It's different for guys who play defense than it is for guys who play offense. And that, to me, I think it pisses me off. The NFL product is going in a very, very bad direction. 
I don't agree with the suspension. I thought that uh, Kareem Jackson had a lot of big voices come out in support of him. Obviously, teammates Justin Simmons, Patrick Sertan, Mark Ingram, Teddy Bridgewater, an offensive player, and obviously Richard Sherman. Like To me, it's just, I think I, I agree to your point. They're trying to make an example out of Kareem Jackson. It's unfortunate he's in year 14 at this point. Look, I don't. I wouldn't even be surprised if Kareem retires after this year because they're trying to take the way that he's always played the game out of it. I don't agree with it. I, I hate it. And and look, I, obviously Kareem's got to be less reckless at times. He's got to protect himself. But I didn't see anything wrong with his hit there, especially considering the circumstance of the game, what they needed to do to get a stop on defense, and obviously the angle in which he's taking because he's banana peeling it and he's trying to get to the outside to get his head to the outside of where Dobbs is at. It's not his fault. Like it's it's a football hit. So for me, there's going to be people that disagree. They're going to be in the comments. They're going to be on Twitter puffing their chest out. I don't agree with you. You don't have to agree with me. I think it's stupid. And that's just my opinion. And you're entitled to your opinion as well, folks, that may disagree with me. But it is what it is. I think it's an awful look. And now the Broncos are in dire straits at the safety position, especially if P.J. Locke is unable to go. He's continuing to rehab after the ankle injury suffered against the uh, the win in the Buffalo Bills game on Monday Night Football just about two weeks ago. So we'll see where he's at this week here in practice. But Denver is going to have to figure something out of safety because Kareem Jackson, regardless of if his suspension gets reduced from four to two, he's going to be out this week against the Cleveland Browns. Broncos country, let us know what you think down below about the Kareem Jackson suspension, things like that. Make sure you drop in the YouTube comments or if you're watching or listening, wherever you get your podcasts, engage with us on social media as well. But one thing we are going to dive deep into here on today's episode of the show. Now, while the Broncos are on a four-game win streak, there's still some areas they absolutely have to improve in if they hope to sustain what they've accomplished. We'll dive deeper down today's episode, Locked On Broncos. Today's episode of Locked On Broncos is brought to you by our friends over there at the Game Time app. If you've ever had a frustrating ticket buying experience, we all know the hassles that you have to go through sometimes with that. Well, let me tell you about Game Time because they alleviate all those issues that you may have run into in the past with other ticket experiences here. They have last minute tickets, flash deals, zone deals, easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, and they have killer last-minute deals, all-in prices and views from your seat, and their best price guarantee. Game time, they take the guesswork out of buying tickets. Game time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. You can see the view from your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive on game day. They have all-in prices that show you your total up front, so you know that you're getting a great deal without hidden fees, and you can buy tickets in seconds with just two taps. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Lockdown NFL for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Lockdown NFL for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. If the Denver Broncos are going to make the playoffs in twenty twenty three, they are going to have to maybe find some consistency offensively, maybe change some things around like we saw earlier this year with the defense going from maybe one of the worst we've seen in franchise history to one of the best in the NFL. What can the offense do to get on a track to where this team can have success and make the playoffs? We're going to talk all about it, but before we give our ideas and our thoughts and our solutions, want to say thank you to everyone that makes Lockdown Broncos your first listen of the day every single day right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you know you can listen free and available anywhere and everywhere that you get your podcasts, as well as we appreciate every single one of you that subscribes and watches and comments on YouTube. Shout out to you. Mile high salute to every single one of you. Talking solutions for this Denver Broncos offense. Obviously, Kareem Jackson news is big, but 
also the Denver Broncos offense. They haven't been capitalizing off of these turnovers. The defense has been generating for them quite like everyone would hope. Of course, Forno in the last four games, not complaining too much, but at the same time, got seven games left. A lot of big time games against AFC opponents upcoming. Cody, what do the Broncos need to do offensively to really be a viable threat to make the playoffs and maybe even make some noise if they get there? I think this has to be the biggest thing, right? And look, and this criticism that we're about to bring is basically based on the premise of, hey, if Denver wants to make it into the playoffs and if they get in there, here's what they need to do, right? I think the passing game has to evolve just beyond wide receivers and running backs. Look, it's been working, right? And and I think Russell Wilson has done a great job of taking what the defense is giving him, but they need an added wrinkle into the receiving game. And we didn't quite see that a little bit in the first half towards the end there with Adam Troutman. He had a couple of catches for some big plays for two chain movers for a first down. That was nice to see, but Denver has to somehow incorporate the tight end into the passing game a little bit more than just running backs and wide receivers. And they can also, I think, vary up the route tree a little bit. So much of what we've seen, and I think the the Minnesota, I almost said Miami Dolphins because Brian Flores was there, but the Minnesota Vikings defense with how they played and all the aggressive looks that they showed as often as they did and how much pressure they sent, I mean, there was no ability to set up the play-action game. There was no ability to do a five-step or seven-step drop for Russ. Like, he didn't have the time to be able to do those things. That's where you have to really get the quick passing game going. But there's also the tough thing about that because, okay, hey, if the two linebackers are walked up and they're showing blitz and you go to do the quick pass and all of a sudden they drop into these hook windows, it's like, oh, shoot, where do you go? Like, it's decisive. And it forces you as a quarterback to have to think, sometimes overthink. And I think that's where Sean Payton, I think his game plan was trying to protect the offense as much as they can. But Denver has to be, I think, more consistent and they have to be better passing the football. And that's nothing on Russell Wilson. That's just the design of the offense, the scheme and the structure. You can't just rely on the run game because teams, I think, going forward, Sarah, I think teams are going to sell out to stop the run and force the Broncos to beat them through the air, which, look, Russell Wilson in two weeks has done it. Three weeks, actually, has done that against the Chiefs, the Bills, and now the Vikings. But that we know Cleveland's going to be a tough test there. They're going to sell out to stop the run, and they're going to try to get after Russ in the passing game. I think the passing attack has to be better, more polished going forward. And even Sean Payton agrees. He said to us on his conference call, he was asked a question about, you know, how do you get, how do you make sure the guy's attitude stays, you know, upright even on a four-game win streak? And he's like, well, if you look at the tape, it's bad. There's a lot of reasons to be focused here. So that gives me some optimism that hey, you know, they're not satisfied with it. They're just like, okay, hey, we won four games in a row. We're going to keep doing the status quo. But yeah, Denver has to improve, in my opinion, in the passing game in terms of the overall operation structure and the system of it. Now, in your opinion, what is something you feel like the Broncos offense absolutely has to do better to sustain the success that they've had here going forward? I think you're spot on. I think they just need to find that bread and butter in the passing game and really it's not far off. You know, I watch the breakdowns from our friend Tim Jenkins. I watch a lot of the clips that are floating around Twitter and you see that things are there. Things are open and the design is coming together. But like you said, it's kind of just, is it is it consistent enough right now? It's not. And Russell Wilson has been coming up in the clutch. There's no question about it. We're not trying to say anything really negative about Russell Wilson. It's just a matter of, can he get confident in those bread and butter passing plays the 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 deep dig to Jerry Judy is a great example of that kind of a thing needs to be there more consistently or double cross or the slant pattern to some of these guys like the bread and butter passing game just hasn't been consistent enough for the Broncos where 
we're seeing Russell Wilson come up in the clutch, but he wouldn't necessarily need to be coming up in the clutch if that bread and butter was there throughout the course of a game, right? That's kind of where, that's the catch-22 right now is, yeah, we love seeing the plays being made late in the games. Let's go make some plays before that. After you get an interception that takes you down inside the 10-yard line, let's turn that into seven points instead of three. Or you get a, a fumble on the you know your own side of the field, let's turn that into seven points instead of three. Those things are are coming together, but it's just not consistent enough. Or there's a, a, a face mask penalty being called on Marvin Mims. It's just these little things like Sean Payton is saying. He's still searching for that perfect game. The Broncos can make adjustments, though, offensively right now, where I just think they're, it's not like last year where you expect hey, they're just going to be incompetent. There's no there's no real flow in terms of the play calling or or. Uh, just the play sequencing or the the injuries that are happening is too much. The offensive line not gelling together. The Broncos have a lot of these things, right? They've got a great play caller. They've got great play designs. They've got a quarterback who's playing efficient. They've got healthy playmakers. The offensive line is playing well. It's now just a matter of when is this going to start to click to the point that they're all on the same page every down. Not that they have to never go three and out. Not that they never have to punt again. It's just... They need more consistent from that bread and butter. Uh, and I agree with you, too, because it's like the simple things, as you mentioned earlier, like the slants. We're not seeing too many of that. Like Cortland Sutton's caught a couple of slants, but we haven't seen as many of those route concepts come open. And I know a lot of what they do, they run it out of stack formations. They run it out of bunch and they can set those up. But I think timing is is a big part of it as well. And I'm very curious to see how Johnny Moe is, you know, Johnny Morton, obviously the Broncos, they value him. Obviously, it was a big part of the Detroit Lions success last year. But ideally, Sarah, you want to get this stuff kind of figured out this week against Cleveland, a very tough defense, has good players in the secondary, obviously a good front seven, including Miles Garrett, including former Broncos friend Shelby Harris, good linebackers at flow, and obviously a former play caller and Joe Woods, who's got these guys playing at a high level right now. The bigger question here, Sarah, you want to get this thing going now, right? I don't think you want to try to find yourself in a position to where you're trying to figure out how to get your offense going more consistently when you have a three-game road trip against two very good teams. When we talk about the Detroit Lions, the Houston Texans, and you know a team that could be good at any moment, but they're going through a Jekyll and Hyde phase with the Los Angeles Chargers. In my opinion, you got to figure it out sooner rather than later, especially as you've got this momentum now. Denver's got to ride with it. And we'll see if they can do that here on the offensive side of the ball. Now, while we've addressed the offensive struggles, some things they can do better, there's some areas that the Broncos defense can improve on that will help them going forward if they hope to make the playoffs. We'll dive deep into that on today's episode, Locked on Broncos. Today's Locked on Broncos is brought to you by our friends over there at Price Picks. And folks, as you know, at Price Picks, they're daily fantasy sports done right. They're the largest DFS platform in all of North America. They're the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS because it's just you against the numbers. Price Picks is the most fun that I've had winning up to 25 times my money this football season. You just select two or more players. You pick more or less on their projected stats, and then you place your entry. With the basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League. It's a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, Stephen Curry and Travis Kelsey had a 10.5 combo of three-pointers made plus receptions. And on top of that, Price Picks even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. 
for football and basketball games. If you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. Price Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. They also offer Apple Pay, which makes it easy for quick withdrawals and, and deposits and an enormous selection of players and stat types. That's what makes Price Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. So make sure you check it out today. Go to pricepicks.com slash NFL and use code LOCKEDONNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Once again, go to pricepicks.com slash NFL and use code LOCKEDONNFL for a first deposit match up to $100 today. As we jump into the fourth quarter on today's episode of Locked on Broncos, real quick, want to say thank you so much to everybody for tuning in and making us your first listen of the day every single day here in Broncos country. Make sure you interact with other members of Broncos country if you're watching on YouTube or if you're listening wherever you get your podcast. Get involved in the conversation at Cody Work NFL, at Sarah Bettinger, at Locked on Broncos. We had just addressed a little bit about the Broncos offense, some of the things that they need to improve on, I think, in order to find sustained success here as they're looking to make a playoff push and looks there a win against the Cleveland Browns this week, I think gives the Broncos a chance to jump up into one of those wild card spots. If I'm not mistaken, there's a lot riding on it. And also if a couple of other teams lose this weekend, Denver could jump up there. So I'm very curious to see how everything plays out. It's a big game this week here, but in your opinion, if you're looking at this Broncos defense right now, what is an area of concern that you have now, obviously while they've been playing better, there's been some areas where it's like, hey, you know, they're going to have to tighten this up as they start to play some tougher teams, and especially some teams who love to run the football down the stretch here in the second half. And it starts with this Cleveland Browns team, doesn't it? They love to run the ball, maybe out of necessity, but also even when everyone's healthy, I think they love to run the ball. So you're going to have to be the aggressor and win at the line of scrimmage more frequently if you want to keep winning games. Like, the Broncos' run defense was not good against Buffalo. It was obviously, as you highlighted in the postgame, Cody, it was not good against the Vikings. I think they gave up their season average per game in the first quarter or something like that. So it's it's not good, and the run defense has to be better, and the primary reason for that is not because you want to see the defense pitching a perfect shutout. It's because when you stop the run, you force other teams into the Broncos' strength which is their pass defense, their pass rush, their defensive backfield, making plays. If you force the ball into the opposing quarterback's hands consistently and you don't give them that balance offensively, you are setting your defense up to be the one that dictates the pace of the game. And that's simply put. It's not necessarily about, well, the Broncos, they have really good stats right now everywhere except the run defense. So they need to, they need to fix that leaky valve or whatever it is. No, it, it's about filtering things to your defense's strength, which is rushing the quarterback and playing that pass defense where, man, the defensive backfield, they are cooking these days, Cody, and we know that. But what needs to happen? Does it need to be personnel change? Does it need to be, uh, I mean, I don't know, more of the 4-3 looks that we saw like we saw a couple weeks ago? I mean, what what do you think needs to happen here if it's, you know, is it benching somebody? Is it? promoting somebody from practice squad. I think there's options, but not a ton available. It seems like the Broncos do need to do something different now, though, because it's been a consistent problem. And I'm not sure exactly what the problem is. Why, Obviously, like in two games, Denver's given up too many rushing yards, too many big explosive plays, too many big runs that have leaked through. Like there's times where Denver, I think, had Madison or, you know, another Vikings runner stopped and all of a sudden he scampers up, gets skinny, finds another hole. I felt like at times I was watching, I felt like some guys over pursued 
maybe it was just the scheme as well, because we all know that Kevin O'Connell scheme. It comes from the predecessor where, you know, the Broncos struggled against the Miami Dolphins. They struggled against the New York Jets. A same type of offensive scheme, which Denver historically this season against the run, they have struggled with. Now, here in a couple weeks, they're going to be playing the Detroit Lions, who run a very, very powerful run scheme. They're going to have to get these issues adjusted. I don't think it's a personnel thing here, Sarah. I think it's more of a scheme issue. And look, we asked Broncos head coach Sean Payton the other day in his conference call, his thoughts on the run defense there. And this is what he had to say to us. He said more so along the lines, he said the pandemic of obviously like the run defensive struggles that they had has passed. Like for them, I think it's just more so gap integrity. It's just execution and maybe just over pursuing at times. So it's correctable. I don't think it's necessarily a personnel thing, but I wouldn't be opposed to seeing some more four, three looks like if you're playing against a team that is going to run the football, you know, that's their primary bread and butter. I mean, this might be the best week to do it. You know, obviously there's Dorian Thompson Robinson. He's he's a rookie quarterback, Sarah, and you can get away with it against a guy like him. Can you get away with it, you know, against a team like the Detroit Lions? I'm not sure because while they can run the ball really well with Gibbs and everybody else that they have, they have legitimate receiving options there for Jared Goff here in a couple weeks you're going to have to run into. So it's about finding balance, I think, getting back to what was working because Denver did a really good job, in my opinion, against the Chiefs. They did a good job against the, the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Jones. So why is it that they're now struggling here in the last couple of games? I'm going to be very curious to see what they decide to do this week. You have to adjust to that. But I think maybe a promising sign, Sarah, a development that has stood out to me about this team and about this defense, while they have struggled against the Bills in the run game and obviously the Vikings here, when they needed to get stops, they did, especially down the stretch in crucial moments. But I'll I'll use one of the points you use consistently here. How about you just don't put yourself in that situation to where you have to step up late in that game. You do it early on to where you're not, maybe not in that situation when crunch time is on the line. But I do think a promising development out of it is that the Broncos defense, they've proven to be clutch in crunch time situations here. So that's good. So if they can shore some of these things up, I think a lot of the issues we have seen will maybe dissipate a little bit, but they'll need to, especially if they're going to make a playoff run here in the second half. Yeah, they absolutely will. And what have we said for the entirety of this season? Like what we thought the identity of this team was going to be is really trying to establish control at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. I mean, the Broncos don't exactly have the best defensive line in the game. With all due respect to some of the dogs they do have up on that defensive line, it's not the best on paper in the league. So you've got to do everything in your power to establish yourself as the aggressor in every situation. You cannot let an offensive line on the other side of the field start to think that they've got the upper hand or that they can do whatever they want against you. Because when that starts to happen, now the the running back behind them is getting more confident. And now the quarterback Mm -hmm. is more confident because he feels like, uh, I'm not going to get rushed because these guys don't know what we're doing. It all starts with the Broncos being the ones that we've seen. I mean, some great stuff from DJ Jones, Mike Purcell, Zach Allen. We need more now from Matt Henningsen and Jonathan Harris, or if the Broncos got to call up PJ Mustafer, I don't know what it is. You need more from all of those guys out there, more consistency. And so it's once again, just like with the offensive side, it's a matter of getting to this, this level of competence or consistency before it becomes a thing where you're like, all right, we're running out of possessions or we're running out of chances or we needed to force a big turnover. Now you, you don't let yourself get into those positions. Be the one to to go up early. Be the one to make that stop on, you know, third and three or, or you, you know what I'm saying there. So I think that's yeah. where the Broncos need to get to in terms of where this defensive line hasn't consistently been and where they need to be if this team is going to make the playoffs. 
you're gonna have to set the tone yourself and impose your will. And there's always a great saying in life that I always loved using, especially playing defense. When I coach defense, I tell my players this, you're either the hammer or you're the nail. You got to find a way to figure it out there. But unfortunately, I don't think in today's NFL, you can be the hammer anymore here. You just have to get nailed by the opposing offense and just accept, hey, fall forward, get the positive yards, maybe, you know, get a stop on second down. But it is what it is there. We'll see what happens with the Kareem Jackson suspension. We'll have you updated here all throughout the week here, Locked On Broncos. For tomorrow's episode of the show here, Broncos Country, here's what you can expect. Sarah Bettinger is going to sit down one-on-one with Jeff Lloyd, host of the Locked On Browns podcast, to preview Sunday's matchup, 2.05 p.m., Mountain Time kickoff and power field at Mile High. We'll see what the outcome could be, players to watch, and much more. You're going to get all that action from Sarah and Jeff on tomorrow's brand-new episode, Locked On Broncos.